0: Mad Unreal, this is Arthur, that is Isaac, and we are concluding our special edition of episodes on what if the Batman was a black man. Uh, this is part four, the, the final part, um, and we really want to get right to it. Uh, but just some uh, quick backstory, if you haven't heard the previous th- three installments, uh, this uh, series is inspired by a tweet earlier this year uh, by a writer on The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. Mm-hmm. And so we, uh, in, our, in our feed, you will find that we have three previous parts to this. Part one was origins, part two was emergence, and part three uh, was villains. These three parts were modeled really off of the storyline um, uh, that Christopher Nolan developed in his Dark Knight uh, trilogy. We know that there are many storylines, uh, but we're actually going to take a bit of a departure with fandom, our fourth and final installment, and just take the totality of uh, Batman as uh, a cultural icon. So, uh, I just remembered. I don't do. I do do the announcement, don't
1: I? Yeah, you did the last episode.
0: I did. Oh, right, the Alfred Pennyworth one. So let's get to it. This is
1: Mad Unreal. <laughs> Maximus question when was the first time you saw Batman do you, you No, know, I,
0: I I can't remember what I do know is my earliest memory uh was um I was probably six years old my sixth birthday party mm-hmm. uh, and I remember that um as part of the party, you know how you kind of like do themes? It's like a superhero theme.
1: Right, right. Mm-hmm.
0: And I remember, uh, I think I had a Batman theme. I just mm-hmm. remember this, remember a heavy Batman presence there. So but that, ironically, you- I, was wearing a, I was wearing an Amazing Spider-Man t-shirt. I do remember <laughs> that also.
1: Okay, the iconic, always the iconic class. So without giving away your age, you, so we're looking at what, late 70s, mid 70s, late 70s?
0: mid mid, mid to mid later 70s. but yeah
1: okay yeah. so batman at that point you had the tv series had been out um the 60s television show had been out obviously that's right books um but yep. that 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 and neil adams i think that's probably neil adams territory um in terms of the comic books um probably neil adams era era but you're a good 10 years plus before you get to the whole, you know, resurgence of Batman and in the in eighties the with the dark Knight returns. Mm-hmm. So let me tell you the first time I remember Batman was, or I think, th- I think the first time I was exposed to Batman and like saw, you know, who he was and understood it was watching. Um, Cause by the time I think I was in kindergarten, I think it, it wasn't pre-K. I think it was kindergarten It's one of my earliest memories. I think it was kindergarten. Yeah. And I think in the afternoons, you know, there was a certain period of time where we would watch television. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is, this was, this may have been pre-K. Um, but we would get to watch like, I don't know, maybe a half hour or whatever, television. Mm-hmm. And that was, it was in the afternoon. So all the shows were in syndication. Um, so you had like the Bayana, you know, the $6 million man was in syndication. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the incredible Hawk was in syndication um, or was it called the Hawk or the incredible anyway, with, with the uh, incredible Hulk with David Banner you know what I'm saying? the mm-hmm. Incredible Hulk. And Bill Bixby. Yeah. Bill Bixby. Yeah. And, um,
0: and Lou I Spider-Man,
1: I think the Spider-Man show, um, the one, mm-hmm. one of the original Spider-Man television yep. shows, live action shows was in the syndication And yep. the sixties Batman uh, show with uh, Adam West, um, which obviously I didn't see when it was aired cause I wasn't alive, but I did see the syndication And it came on every day. Mm -hmm. And that was my first, I believe I'm almost positive. That's the first time I actually saw Batman wrecking, you know, and understood who he was. You know, he was a superhero, Batman, Superman, you know, um, Spider-Man of that ilk. Um, So what's, you know, the question is, Arthur, if you would have had that birthday party and that was like your first awareness of Batman, really. Batman was a black man. How does that does that change anything? Does that impact you differently? Um, as a six-year-old, you know, I don't know, you was, you were a little militant little child, so I'm not sure <laughs> well, you, from what I, I've heard I, um, from the pictures I've I, seen. <laughs> I think uh, that's a good question. I think it would
0: have because I remember I remember my mother had gotten me a subscription to Ebony Jr., you ever read Ebony Junior?
1: Oh shit! I forgot all about that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I thought about that? A little.
1: Wow. They yeah. A whole Ebony had the whole. They had everything. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Had, at one point, they had like the. Their empire was full of all these different types of like whatever niche there was. They had a black magazine for that niche. So, right. Yeah, Ebony Junior. I, I forgot all about that. Yeah, I do remember that Vague. Yeah,
0: and I think that I think th- th- there were there were a few things. Um, one of course was the was the Adam West. Burt Ward television series. Mm-hmm. I I loved to watch the Fat Albert cartoon series, and there was you know the Brown Hornet, mm-hmm. you know on there uh, as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was really into Spider Man, you know who who wore a mask, but also not so much the television series Spider Man, which I did watch and didn't really like because you know he had those wristbands that were the <laughs> that were the web shooters, and I was just totally you, you are, know
1: you are a web shooter elitist. It right, come from his body. It couldn't come from the wristbands.
0: Right, that's exactly right. They were um, budget, to bro. be consistent with the comic book and the and the, the animated series, right. um, <laughs> but you know there was also I watched the Electric Company, and on the Electric Company, every once in a while you did have a live Spider-Man that mm. would show up, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and Batman fit within this overall model of things that I liked to consume. So I did not, I don't have a memory of differentiating between, in other words, I want to be, I want to have, you know, brown hair and blue eyes because Bruce Wayne had that. Mm -hmm. I think my socioeconomic position as a child Mm -hmm. informed me being more comfortable with, I don't know how you would say it, but I mean, I just, multiple representations of of race. Mm Mm-hmm. Right.
1: You weren't, you didn't feel, you didn't feel threatened to be, you didn't feel like you needed to become, you know, something else in order to, to enjoy that.
0: Right. 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 Hmm. You know?
1: Yeah. I I think for me, it, I think at that point, maybe I would have fallen in the same category as you in terms of putting him, not to say it wouldn't have been such a big deal, but I may have just been like, okay, here's, you know, I put him, I may have put him in the brown hornet category, you know? Uh But, it was a live action television series, you know, and not to, you know, I'm a big proponent of animation, so I'm, I'm not one of those people who thinks animation shouldn't be on the same level as live action. But at that point, you know, seeing in the in the in the late 70s, seeing, you know, a live action show with a black man as, you know, the hero, not only the the hero mm-hmm. in costume. But mm-hmm. then seeing him, you know, kicking it around a enormous mansion and he's got a butler and, you know, he's got the respect of, you know, the mayor and just that's a different, you know, that's that would have been a really interesting vibe to see. And I wonder how, especially in the context of that 60s Adam West um, yeah. Ford television series where it was very obviously it was very lighthearted mm-hmm. um, and it was also pretty much um, very uh, idealistic. Um, in the sense that you always knew um, Batman and Commissioner Gordon were on the right side of the law, so to speak. Um, you always knew Batman was going to get out of whatever mess he got into. Um, yeah. Everybody liked Bruce Wayne. You know, it was just like it was very rose colored, you know, lens type of, yeah. you know, television viewing. So to cast a black man in that role, especially when it originally aired in the 60s, I can't, you know, that have been that have a while. But the impact it was just had on me. Um, I think may have been a little bit greater than I think what you just described um, only because I've, you know, and again, we're talking about them in pre you know, K kindergarten or whatever. So, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, who knows what I would have thought, but at the same time, I do feel like I would have at least have has a little bit more of an affinity towards that character or that show. than I had towards say, you know, again, incredible Hawk, Spider-Man buying yeah. man, you know, it would have been a different feel. So let's let's talk about the 60s show though.
0: Yeah. So the 60s show was um campy mm-hmm. at best. Um you know, it wasn't very good. Um it had very little representation of 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 actors of color. In fact, I I really think only one which was Eartha Kitt who would do double right. duty as Catwoman with uh and I forget the other actress's name. But um Julie Newmar. Yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. Um I think that, um, it's, it made Batman less cool to me. Mm. I found that if, and I don't know where I got this concept of cool from, you know, as a boy. Say, in
1: the, yeah. In the seventies. I don't know. Did, did you I read mean, any of the comics or did you see any other type of him in any other medium? I, I, I
0: did, I did read comics, um, Yeah, you know, off-the-rack comics, but I wasn't much of a collector in that way. Mm -hmm. You know, um, when Star Wars hit, that was when I was, like, collecting the baseball cards and the action figures and stuff. And I didn't have that same thing toward superheroes, uh, except for maybe Spider-Man. And going just quickly, and I know we're talking about Batman, but just to juxtapose to Spider-Man, Spider-Man was cool to me. Peter Parker wasn't. But what was kind of strange is once he put the costume on, you know, he was effectively black to me because I equated the live action Electric Company Spider-Man in the same type of, you know, cool space that I had for, say, Easy Reader played by Morgan Freeman on Electric Company. you know, And I mean, as a child, you know, your imagination is just completely outsized. So to right. rationalize it and think through it as an adult doesn't really doesn't really fit because that model as a boy doesn't even you know doesn't apply to those laws, um, but the let's television show the big. Batman television show definitely definitely lowered Batman on the you know the cool factor scale to me.
1: So let's stay in that space for a minute because it's interesting the idea of cool and you look at the TV landscape of the nineteen sixties. Um, I imagine. From what I from the from the reading I've done, you had I Spy, I believe, right um, with uh, Bill Cosby and uh, yeah. Robert. Uh, who was that? I forgot the guy's name. The other guy's name. But anyway, Robert Mitchum. Had I Spy, and that was like the one. Robert Mitchum was it? Okay, I was think, it Mitchum? I don't know. Nah, hold though. on, I want to say Robert's somebody else. But anyway, that was like the one drama I believe at the time with a black man in a lead role. You know, the one mm-hmm. action. Robert Culp. Robert Culp and Bill Cosby. Culp. Yeah, that's right. Robert Culp. I knew it started with the C. Um, but other than that, I can't, you know, I'm sure maybe there was, but I don't remember hearing or reading about any other in the late sixties, any other lead, you know, male, black male or black female actress actors in a action type role. So, well, you
0: did have one and I'm sorry, but I don't want you to, you did have, uh, the mission impossible television series.
1: Oh, with, um, who was the brother in that?
0: It was Greg Morris. And there
1: was, oh, oh, and then there was, uh, what was the other one? Um, with three kids, three, th- th- there's three of them. Um, I'm blanking out. But anyway, yes, yeah, so mm-hmm, there's a few. Mm-hmm. But really, you know, compared to, to you know, in, in the context of the television that was being broadcast at the time, this was not a normal thing to see a black actor in a lead Correct. Role Absolutely correct. In an action action series. Still isn't, by the way. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm, 2020, right. it still isn't. Um, But back then, it's even more rare. So my question to you, though, is that sticking in that cool zone, could Mm -hmm. a black Batman have, I don't want to say afforded, but could you see a black, black, you know, considering the lack of representation, considering what was going on in the 60s, the civil rights movement, considering everything that surrounds television and informs television in that time period, could you see a black Batman being portrayed in such a campy way on television. And if so, would that, you know what I'm saying, would, would the black audience accept that? Would the f- black fandom accept that? Hmm. I got to say I don't think so. I, I don't I don't think, you know, I can't I mean I'm see... inclined
0: to agree with you. I you know, but I, I don't know I truly don't know if there was a, a sizable black audience for either I Spy or Mission Impossible
1: Mm, Right. I mean, maybe I spy because
0: of the popularity of Bill Cosby as as a rising comedian um, and, you know, providing the more lighthearted, I guess, element, you know, to that. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you had a black Batman television series in the 1960s, the real question is, would that have been syndicated? That 70s children would have seen it
1: well would it would it have been considered a black show that's another part because if it was considered a quote unquote mm-hmm. black show then like a lot of the 70s black shows you know from Sanford and Son to Jeffersons right. to Good Times you know it may have gotten syndicated um, may have been very successful but would they and these you know these all kind of lead these questions lead to other questions then the question the next question becomes would they have actually you know dove into any racial issues um, mm-hmm. in a black Batman 60s TV, TV show because from what I understand I spy nah. they didn't deal with race at all you know what I'm saying it didn't yeah. become it was never a big you know even though we're at the, the peak of the civil rights movement yeah. you know, maybe the waning years of the civil rights movement they didn't deal with race um, by and large I think they. I've read there was a few episodes but mostly they didn't deal with race so if if in that campy black Batman show I can't see them Dealing I agree with race, not even I agree not even a comic comedic way because you remember Jefferson's um, Sanford and his son, and to some extent good Times really good Times did some very serious episodes about race. Mm-hmm. but A lot of these shows kind of used race as an you know a joke you know a mechanism for jokes, you know what I'm saying throughout the series, especially um, Sanford son and good and uh, Jefferson's um, you know George Jefferson's relationship with his interracial uh, neighbors. Mm-hmm. You know, it was an ongoing joke, you know. Um, would a Black Batman sixty show do that, or would it ignore race?
0: Mm. I think it would have to ignore race because you'd have to present Bruce Wayne as affluent, like super affluent, right? Right. But and I don't think that was going to happen because even with George Jefferson, you knew you knew that he you knew that he quote unquote, had money, mm. but you knew that only to know that he had risen outside of whatever he came from. Moving on up. You see what I'm saying? Right.
1: <laughs> to right. The but
0: did he have, but you know, was his money longer than Tom's? You
1: finally got pie. I a don't know. Pie.
0: <laughs> you never, you never really, you never really knew that. You know what I'm saying?
1: You always got the feeling though. I, you know what? I always got the feeling that, cause I can't remember what floor. Uh uh-huh. Tom, Tom and Helen lived on um, they, I can't remember if they lived beneath them or if they lived on the same floor um, and Mr. Bentley I think he lived right next door so he was on the same floor mm-hmm. um, but yeah you did get the sense that George had George was black rich. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was, it was, it was <laughs> right. Right. Like, and then, then right. on the white scale, that's like, you know, well off, you know, or. or right. Doing okay. right. You know, it was right. Like, it was just but even
0: if you don't tell the whole, you know, the whole narrative of Wayne Foundations and all this other kind of stuff, you know, if you want to just sort of like cut some things from, you know, the comic book narrative mm-hmm. to scope it to television, you know, you're not going to have Bruce Wayne, black Bruce Wayne, you know,
1: rolling like that. I agree with you, but let me devil's advocate, because if you portray in the night, late 1960s, a black man being a multi-millionaire, billionaire, whatever, mm-hmm. don't you have to explain that? You know what I'm saying? Don't you have to? Because at that point, there was what, one, two, you know what I'm saying, black billionaire, black millionaires in the entire country. So don't you have to explain, well, because are the viewers going to accept, even the black viewers Are they going to accept that fantasy and be like, you know, isn't somebody going to raise a hand and be like, how how did this brother get all this money? Yeah. Where did all this money come from? Um, So I I agree with you. I think they would treat it very in the same campy fashion that they they treated the rest of the show and they would never address it. But just the devil's advocate, I want to throw that in. So, Mm -hmm. okay, so I I do. I do feel, though, to answer the kind of get back to the original point of it, if uh, what would be the fate of that show? I think it would have been a successful show in black households. Um, Hmm. If it would have been a success in white households, I think the question would then be or kind of the depending factor would be what race is Robin? (laughs) 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 So you never thought about that. You never thought about that. What race is Robin? Now let's get into this Hold (laughs) on, let's get into this Now Let's say Uh Let's say Burt Ward plays that character Yeah We all we had different strokes We had Webster we had a bunch of shows Where white people adopted black children Right Even a black billionaire ain't somebody gonna be like Wait a minute (laughs) He took this this little white kid in That is a dynamic that we still have not What in 2020 we still ain't seen that And put them in underwear. (laughs) Put them in underwear. Now they're swinging all around the city. What's going on? Right.
0: What's that about?
1: (laughs) (laughs) What is that Uh about? But I say that in all seriousness, I say that because I think that if we look at, you know, I aspire some of these other shows that had leading black characters that ended up becoming popular in both African-American households and European-American households. Mm -hmm. Reason being is because yeah, they had not just the black character. There was a character there for, um, for white people to, uh, you know, to feel like they're part of the story and this is not a quote-unquote black show. We mentioned it before on this show about the, um, uh, what's my man's name, uh, Aziz. What's the show uh, um, on Netflix? Oh, Master of
0: None?
1: Master of None. We mentioned before about that great episode where he questioned why is it being called an Indian show? He was, you know, auditioning for mm-hmm. some show. and He's like, why right. oh, is it called, you know, if it was just a bunch of white people it wouldn't be called a white show, you know, why is mm-hmm. it called... Great episode. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. I think it was in season two. But if the, uh, if this '60s black or I, I did it right there '60s black man '60s Batman show starring a a, a black Bruce Wayne, if both right. he and Robin are black, it's definitely a black show. You know, you're yeah. not getting you're not getting yeah. white viewership. Yeah, um, but I think that if you make Robin white and um, Alfred is maybe white too. I don't know if Alfred needs to be white. Having a white Well, man you know, my, I mean my position TV, is, having, a, having a white man serve a black man there on TV you go. in the 1960s, that's a bridge too far. I don't think that's happening. <laughs> but
0: that's happened. to me it's like you need you need Alfred to be white because Alfred can gain access into places that even a black <laughs> billionaire can. not If so nothing else, to, him,
1: so Bruce is sending him to go on missions cuz he right, can't get it. Yeah. Uh,
0: right. Or at least hey look, just let him know. So that you know, when I'm, I come in
1: Mm-hmm. You know, I think what we're saying, though, I think that if this show, if it would have happened, this would have been a groundbreaking show for sure. Because mm-hmm. even if it was straight camp, because, mm-hmm. again, you got a white butler, black billionaire, maybe a, a white ward. You know, what I'm saying right. well, it might be a black ward, but maybe a white ward groundbreaking show. Absolutely. All right. We can move on. I do want to see that show, though. <laughs> I do want to see. It. Isn't it funny, though, how many of these? um things haven't been you know addressed or you know quote-unquote barriers have not been broken even in you know all these years later um you said we yeah. do have you know like black lightning there are some um the new batwoman um coming to the to the uh the wb uh, wb or yeah is it wb or cc C, whatever, whatever oh cw cw, CW show um the new, i'm thinking in B- the, the new 90s batwoman mm-hmm. is gonna be a uh a black woman um mm-hmm. But are are they going to get into her race? I'll be interested in seeing that. Are they going to make race a part of that? Or is she just going to be stepping into that role and they're going to eye spy it, you know, and never bring up race as an as a, as a issue or a theme? It'll be interesting. So what's uh, what's what's our next point to look at, though?
0: Well, you know, we have to fast forward because uh, the 70s, there you know, we're talking about the '70s in the context of a of a '60s television show that's syndicated. Mm-hmm. So we're not even talking about something that was going on in line with what the culture was doing. Right. Um, we have to jump all the way into the '80s and go back to the comic books where the resurgence of of Batman, really a retelling almost of the narrative, uh, was done by Frank Miller's The Dark Knight Returns.
1: Right. Um, I, I think everybody, probably pretty much everybody listening to this show, is aware. But just Very quickly, um, if you're not aware, it was the first it was the Dark Knight Returns, a four issue limited series, I believe was 1986. Uh, I may be wrong about that, but I believe it was 1986. Frank Miller, uh, Lynn Varley through uh, DC Mm -hmm. Comics. Um, Yeah. So at first, that was the whole like explosion Mm-hmm. of like this resurgence of Batman. Um and it's still regarded, they put the four issues together in a trade paperback slash graphic novel and it's still regarded as one of the greatest graphic novels of all time. But then after that, I think maybe in a year or two later, um Frank Frank Miller and David Mazzicelli did the uh you know year one, Batman mm-hmm. Year One. Mm-hmm. So Dark Knight Returns, of course, Batman is in his fifties, um, comes out of retirement. Um first to battle two-face and then eventually the joker blah 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 but you know batman year one is obviously his first year as the batman um and really nolan's batman begins and to some extent dark knight pulled a lot out of you know year one um so yeah those two things really just like you know re reintroduced batman to the you know he he never really you know he was never out of completely out of the consciousness Public consciousness, but those two things really kind of like elevated him to you know next level iconic, always going to be iconic, um, and renewed interest in him. And then of course, you mm-hmm. know, a couple years later, you get the uh, the Michael Keaton, um,
0: Tim Burton uh, Tim film. Tim Burton
1: film. Yeah.
0: Now, do you think that this is probably a rhetorical question because I think I know what your answer is going to be? Mm-hmm. But do you think that the 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 motivation for picking up Batman as a property was because of the success of the Superman films.
1: <clears throat> um, yeah, so you had, let me see, you had the first Superman film in the late 70s. last couple was early 80s.
0: Mm-hmm. And the last um, two were not good, but the first two, I think the first was 78. I think the second was was done in 80s, Superman two.
1: Yeah, and then you had the uh, the third one with Richard Pryor, and then the fourth mm-hmm. one with some some Quest for Home. I don't know. It was incredibly forgettable, um, as as I, as I can attest to right now because I can't remember a damn thing about it. But uh, you're asking, so you're asking, did those films kind of pave the way for for re- to re- pave re- the way?
0: Because you've got you've got, I guess in the in, you know in the Justice League hierarchy, mm-hmm. where Superman is sort of like the de facto leader. Number two is Batman.
1: Yeah, I think you know. So you've th-
0: got this property that has been popular, that could be popular. That's just you know, that's top mm-hmm. tier in the in the realm of Superman. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not doing anything with it.
1: Well, let me let me first uh, put a asterisk by this and say I'm by no means a Batman, and though I'm a huge Batman fan, I'm not a Batman uh, historian. In other words, I don't know every single thing, but yeah. I will say that. If memory serves, when Frank Miller wanted to do this story, it wasn't as if DC was like, we've got to, or actually, I think it was DC that kind of wanted to, you know, find a way to, you know, get some more interest elevate Batman. Batman sales, mm-hmm. sales were down, you know, sales mm-hmm. were going down for these comics. Um, but again, I don't think Batman was never out of the public eye. You know what I'm saying? It was always, if mm-hmm. you thought DC, you thought Batman, Superman, then yeah. Wonder Woman. Uh, Green Maybe Aquaman. Aquaman. Yeah, mm-hmm. you thought Marvel. You thought you know Hulk, Spider Man, um, Avengers. You know X Men. X Men. You know? Yeah. Um, so I, I think Batman was always there, but I don't think I don't know. I guess I should say I don't know if there was like, hey, let's do something super great, you know, to get Batman back, because I just yeah. don't think that they could have predicted the. I mean this this this. Listen, Dark Knight Returns changed everything.
0: You know, mm-hmm. it was just. Mm-hmm.
1: It was one of those kind of like seismic shift um, explosions that just had, you know, a huge impact on both the comic industry and um, pop culture as a whole, Um, Yeah, which again led to that led to that film. So I I guess I guess I can't really answer your question, Mm -hmm. but my suspicion is that it wasn't so much them, you know, making a concerted effort as it was them desiring for something to change. And then serendipity kind of came in and, and took care of the rest.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah: Well, I think that uh, I know for me, I completely missed the, the, the Frank Miller mm-hmm. um, Batman Comics, and I didn't re-engage until the Tim Burton film, and right. it, that film was so so heavily pr- promoted. <laughs> right. To me, that was like the game changer. Mm -hmm. Because I wasn't back into, you know, into comic books like that. Now, I had been for the previous, I would think, two years, maybe 87. I remember 86 or 87 when I started buying um, Batman comics. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was around the death of Robin with that. It was around that period. But still, I didn't, you know, go deep or at least go to a comic book store where I would have been exposed to, well, yo, if you're like this, you're really going to, this is what you really need to look at. But
1: but I think what's important is that if you look at, so taking that Tim Burton film, which for the majority of the populace, that was their, like you, that was their awareness of, oh, shit has changed. You know, that, mm-hmm. was, that was the awareness of that. So mm-hmm. if you look at that film, the Tim Burton th- film, it was very different, obviously, than, you know, Dark Knight Returns yeah. or Batman Year One. I would say Nolan's films are much more in line with, um you know, with the with the, Frank, uh, Miller. Frank Miller's. But yeah. What Frank Miller's, you know, work did is establish a tone of seriousness and a tone mm-hmm. of, for lack of a better term, grittiness, mm-hmm. um, or what the movie or what what the culture likes to call darkness, it established that tone and that got you could see the through line from Dark Knight Returns all the way to Tim Burton's film. Mm-hmm. Tim Burton's film does not happen without Dark Knight Returns. It just mm-hmm. doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. It does not happen. Mm-hmm. And the question is, if you if you have a black Batman. In in Frank Miller's book, you know, the return of the Dark Knight Returns, and it's about a black black Batman that comes out of retirement in his 50s um, and ends up, you know, going up against uh, a gang of uh, um, called the Mutants, I, think, I believe it was the name of the gang trying to take over Gotham. Goes up against his arch enemy, you know, the Joker one more time ends up going up against Superman um, because uh, spoiler alert, if you haven't read a graphic novel, that's like, you know, 30 years old or whatever, but um, <laughs> goes up against Superman because, you know, the the powers that be feel like Batman is out of control. So they send, you know, Superman, the Boy Scout in to take care of him. Mm-hmm. So if you have a black Batman doing all that and is taking place in the 80s, you know, yeah. Reagan's Reagan's 80s, you know, um quote-unquote war on drugs the uh, the crack epidemic you know all these things happening um the rise of greed you know mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a completely different story it plays out very very differently and taking it from that comic to the tim burton film let me tell you one of the you know this was the first you know live action batman film you know, proper film. Right. Um, I think there was a, there was a two hour, uh, version or film of, you know, the 60 TV show, but this was like the first, you know, live action, big budget studio Batman film. Right. So for all, for a lot of us who were huge fans, we were seeing about to see Bruce Wayne and Batman, you know, on the big screen. That was a, that was a big deal. I never forget the, one of the comic book stores that I patronized back then, And I was, I guess I was, how old was I? 13, 14, 15, whatever. I was very young. And one of the comic book stores I patronized, they got a hold, or they were, I guess, Warner Brothers may have done some special thing where they were going to do like a trailer, Mm -hmm. early, early, early trailer release, and have it, give it to select comic book stores. Now, this is the late 80s, so... Wasn't like you could just jump online, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying, and see these trailers. Um, trailers were only shown in theaters and on television. So, to get an early peek before it was going to be in theaters and before it was going to be on television, this was a big deal. So, I right. remember we, you know, me and uh, one of my best friends at the time, uh, Mike Thomas, who actually kid lived across the street, who actually got me into comics. You know, he was mm-hmm. the first mm-hmm. one that like, you know, gave me like a stack of G.I. Joe comics and got me into comics um, many years prior to that. But we his mom, I never forget his mom drove us to this comic book store on a Saturday or something early Saturday morning. You know, you had to like, I guess you won tickets or something. So you got into this, you know, this this comic book, okay. store. showed him your ticket, went into this back room storage room. Right. This is really yeah. like some grimy shit. man. It's like all this to see a trailer, Arthur, <laughs> all this to see a trailer. <laughs> Go mm-hmm. into this back room, little ass TV. I never forget this little TV was set up on this like, you know, one of those TV um a V A V trays, you know, used to see a school, they used to roll around from room to room. It was on one of those. And it, I don't know how many how many of us were in there, but you know, it was a lot of people just kinda of crowded around this this room waiting to see this trail. And it was the first glimpse anybody has seen of this Michael Keaton film. Yeah. I cannot express to you because I we all knew Michael Keaton was in it and I was already upset about that, right? When I saw Michael Keaton, I was very, very like I was so let down. Reason being, because he didn't fit my persona in my mind of you know who Bruce Wayne was or Batman, you know, yeah. Um, just as a side note, when I finally did see the film, which I enjoyed, I didn't love it. I didn't think it was you know I didn't fall in love with it like a lot of other people did, but I did feel that, I did feel that Michael Keaton made a great Bruce Wayne. He didn't make a great Batman to me. Um, I just mm-hmm. didn't believe him as Batman, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought he was a great Bruce Wayne. But anyway, if that, I, I, putting that in the context of this show if that if i was driving there and i you know went to go went in that back room whenever they turn that tv on and i got to see a black batman you know what i'm saying for the first time live action um who was probably yeah. then wesley snipes on who was who was hot in the late 80s Did no Dazelle, i mean 89 Dazelle.
0: yeah who was high? it's Remember? you know i mean eddie
1: eddie okay <laughs> <laughs> let's cast Eddie. Wesley Eddie didn't get hot that. till
0: you know to after after uh, Mobetta Mo Blues.
1: Yeah, so after that was in the early nineties. So so I mean, who you
0: got? You got Eddie. you had comedians. That's who was hot. All right.
1: Well, you know Michael Keaton ended up playing them. So yeah. Okay, so let's say Eddie was cast as, as Bruce. Uh-huh. Denzel I
0: think was like maybe on an incline. So that might have been your yeah. best. Well, he
1: jumped off after Glory, right? And Glory yeah. was like ninety one, I think. Um. So yeah. So let's say Eddie. Played Bruce Wayne, you know that's a completely different thing. Like we talked about, how there's some ambiguity if it would have been different, you know, with mm-hmm. the sixty TV show. Mm-hmm. But come on, man, a feature film, you know, first time Batman major studio feature film, Eddie Murphy playing Batman. That's 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 a whole different story. That's a whole different thing.
0: Right. Um, Incidentally, Glory was eighty eight, or uh, well, it was released in eighty nine. So. From a timeline, it's pla its very plausible that you could have had Denzel as Bruce Wayne.
1: Wow, I think I saw—I I remember seeing Glory a couple of years after that. That's interesting. Okay, all right. I was late on Glory. Um, well, it
0: went wide wide release February nineteen ninety.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So there's so, there's your there, there's your ninety. But I'm I'm just saying time timeline timeline it could work, and that would probably be the only person to make that happen. But he wasn't a big enough star for you to bet the farm on, like Warner Brothers was
1: so let me ask you this a few minutes ago I mentioned the context of you know a black Batman in 80s you know so mm-hmm. Frank Miller is like you know Frank Miller who was white by the way say Frank Miller is you know did the same thing you know reinvented the character or re, you know reignited the character so to speak mm-hmm. um, retold his origin story you know told this incredible tale about him coming out of retirement in his 50s all, and it's black Batman but it's the 80s Um, Because there's also I should mention, there's, you know, Frank Miller did have some political influence um, Mm -hmm. within his work as well um, Mm -hmm. back then. So is, you know, everything going on in the 80s and the context of the 80s, how do you think that affects? Because we've talked at length about, you know, especially in the origins episode, how we thought, you know, him being black would affect Bruce Wayne, you know, growing up, you know, with his family, when his family, when his parents were killed, you know, him traveling, throughout Asia you know we talked about the impact of him being black on those things how do you think the political atmosphere in the 80s would have affected Batman and then in turn of course how that affects you know the fandom you know how we receive him how do you think those things would have would have played out
0: well I think that because of uh, the time in which the film was released you're still under the shadow of um, of eight years of uh, the Reagan administration. Mm-hmm. Um, George Bush was inaugurated, Ronald Reagan's vice president in in January of, of uh, 1989. That being said, you still had this carryover of certain policies and a certain attitude that had um, affected the black community to great, you know, mm-hmm. detriment.
1: Devastated, devastated community.
0: I think yeah. that. For acceptance of black audiences,
1: uh, Mm -hmm.
0: black Batman would, I mean, (laughs) the story would have been just botched because Mm -hmm. of the desire to attract black audiences, but attract white audiences, thinking Mm -hmm. that that's really where the money is going to get made, you know, for this film.
1: We got, we got, we got black man or bat, black man, excuse me. Black Batman. See, it is a tongue twister. Yeah, <laughs> Black Batman um, times colors times you know boys in the hood times you know eventually minister side. Are you saying we would have got those type of films, or w- what do you think?
0: Honestly, I think that we would have gotten something with some sort of comedic element, comedic, lighthearted mm-hmm. element.
1: So you know that grittiness and that that quote-unquote darkness. Um, would have been, I believe,
0: it would have been lost. Like basically, the bat, black man would have been the only thing dark about that film, <laughs>
1: right? Because they wouldn't. Because it really is not um, palatable for the American public or the Western Western culture. Serious, you know, unsmiling, again, quote unquote, dark, you know, black men or black stories um, in general are not very palatable for this audience.
0: <laughs> Pardon the irony, but, you know, you're not going to tell an authentic, unreal story, (laughs) you know, with a black lead.
1: Yeah, I get you 100 percent. I think it's telltale is that we mentioned, you know, who we think would play that character. And saying is Eddie Murphy. Now, at that point in time, this is prior to Denzel's rise. Um, Shout out to the episode of snobs on, on film we did a year or two ago the denzel effect because i feel like we're basically you know it's like that episode of snobs on real remember we touched on how there can only be one you know what I'm saying? there can only be like one right. black actor in hollywood who's made right the time. so it's like we almost have like these errors this was eddie's era. okay now it's denzel's error you know right and it's like it's, it's right so it's, so it's so it's so bizarre but anyway that was a good show
0: snobs on film our guest at that show was omar dorsey uh who plays hollywood on in um clean sugar it yeah, um, was it's a great that episode. Was, that was a great episode. Go but I mean, just to up. that point, you know, I mean, you'd have to, I mean, it's a big pill to swallow. We have to have, we have to have a black lead who basically needs to be a comedian because that would be the only attraction, you know? So we got to believe that a black man is, you know, is basically a billionaire. It's got to be done by, a, you know, a lead that can actually do justice to the role. And Denzel wasn't that big of a lead to put, you know, to to bank on for at the box office. You know, and there were just a lot of things that I think audiences, both black and white, would need to accept and studio uh, machines needed to allow for something like this to work. Mm -hmm.
1: I think, you know, best case scenario, and this is not in no disrespect to this film because I really like this film, um, both of these films, Mm -hmm. I think we would have gotten 48 Hours or Beverly Hills Cop. You know what I'm right, I think that's right, 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 yes. right, right, yes. right, right. That, that, that right. Those films are palatable enough for wide audiences. You uh-huh. know it's like okay, we can accept the lead character being Eddie Murphy and being this—you know—he's smarter than everybody else in the film. I'm um, talking mm-hmm. about Beverly Hills Cop. He's smarter than everybody else in the film. He's the hero. Um, we can accept that if is a action comedy. He's got to be funny. Mm-hmm. He can't be too serious mm-hmm. and. His two sidekicks are white, you know. So, if we get that in the bat, you know, in the Tim Burton um, Batman film, and Batman is black, I think he has to be. He it's the same criteria, you know. He can be Batman. He can be smarter. He can't be too serious. So, have all that Frank Miller stuff. Right, and he can't be. He has to be funny. He's got to be funny, and, right?
0: Right, and you need somebody like Kevin Costner to be Commissioner Gordon or something like that to, <laughs> you right, know, so carry the so movie. Then, <laughs> then you get, then you get <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, I think that's the best case scenario. Now, here's the here's the flip side of it, though, or not the flip side, I should say. But here's the other: um, looking at it again, going backwards a little bit, and looking at the Frank mm-hmm. Miller you know, mm-hmm. resurgence, I actually feel like if Batman is black in The Dark Knight Returns, that makes that story a lot more interesting. Not just for me personally, I just think from it becomes so much more nuanced because if you look at where we were, let's say in 86, 87 or whatever, that whole, you know, like we talked about the devastation that be done had been done to the black community. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. the Reagan era po- uh, politics that had a huge in, you know influence on that. But it, it started before then. you know, it started with the uh, the quote unquote war on crime, you know, um, that took place in the late 60s, early 70s or, and then continued throughout the 70s. Um, all these kind of policies that were really about that ramped up that led from, you know, there being a couple hundred thousand people in U S prisons. Mm-hmm. To suddenly there's 2 million people in U S prisons mm-hmm. and the, a huge majority of them are black or Latino. All these policies ramped up long before, you know, the Reagan policies, the Reagan policies just, you know, basically um, underlined them um, right. and, and took them to another level. So if you're, if you're Bruce Wayne in 86 and in you're 50s, then you you've lived through you know what I'm saying all of this stuff you know you mm-hmm, lived through all these mm-hmm, other policies mm-hmm. all this this policymaking that led to this period where whole communities are devastated where black men are getting locked up left and right the crack epidemic is just you know is is, is a scourge on the community and in Frank Miller's Bad uh, Dark Knight Returns there is a sense of futility you know Bruce Wayne has a strong sense of mm-hmm. I fought all these years and ain't shit changed. You know why? Why did I do all this? You know I lost. You know uh, Robin died. Um, I'm alone. Um, You know I'm still fighting these demons. You know still dealing, wrestling with my parents' death. All these decades later, there's all these things going on. If you add to the fact that he's not only feeling, you know, the futility of fighting the war and nothing's changed, but he's also seeing things have gotten worse. You know, saying the devastation Mm -hmm. against his own people has gotten worse. The um, epidemics are out of control within the communities you know all these things that makes this story more interesting to me you know obviously that okay. just adds a whole nother layer of of um pathos you know mm-hmm. to it and then you get later in the dark night when you see him go and I, this leads into our next point when you see him go up against batman, uh, batman i right. excuse me superman and right. superman is portrayed in in uh, frank miller's Dark Knight Returns. Superman is a friend of the government. You know, he's it's the it's the president that basically says, "Hey, we need you to go take care of this dude in Gotham. That's your boy, right? Well, your boy is out of control. You know, go mm-hmm. take care of him. You be mm-hmm. a good be a good American. Go take care of him. Um, that's you you you. The juxtaposition between Batman, a black Batman, and a white Superman. That that juxtaposition gets greater. You know that that tension. You know, gets greater. You know, so now you got the American president who's in the book was portrayed as, you know, a Reagan type president, or maybe even Reagan himself pointing Superman at Gotham, you know, to go take care of Batman. There's another, you know, that notches up a level. If it's black Batman and he feels like he's doing this because his people are suffering. You feel, do you feel me on that?
0: A real interesting dynamic about that is Reagan knows that he's sending a white Superman to deal with a black Batman, but does superman who is an alien mm-hmm. who in theory doesn't res- or should not respond mm-hmm. to white supremacy <laughs> you see what i'm saying yeah
1: I, get, yeah I got something to say about that go ahead
0: i'm gonna let you you know what i mean right does he does he do what reagan really wants him to do which is basically keep batman in check
1: mhm yes <laughs> Let me tell you why he comes. Uh-huh. From, he comes from crypt, Krypton, right? Um, so he shouldn't have, you know, like you said, shouldn't be susceptible to white. But he landed here as a small child, and the uh, moment, he, the moment right. he landed here, the moment right. he landed, guess right. where he got the benefit from? When he yep, hit Kansas, yep, yep, yep uh-huh. First of all, he probably didn't see any black people till he left. Till he went to Metropolis, uh-huh. and then when he was in, when he was in Kansas and in Metropolis guess what he got the benefit from so right. even on a um, micro level even if he's not fully aware of it uh, you know, yeah. if Clark Kent is not fully aware of it or if he believes it not to be true he is a benefit beneficiary of white supremacy so mm. his viewpoint you know would probably be, be the same as it is in you know the actual Dark Knight Returns the question what it gets interesting to your point is when he lands in Gotham and probably not for the first time him and black Bruce Wayne have this, you know, debate argument about what's best for black Gothamites or black people in general, you know, or or Bruce at least brings up the fact that, no, I came back because you and nobody else is doing anything mm-hmm. to, to mm-hmm. help, you know, my people or to help even not just black people to help impoverished people in general. Um, I think that becomes a, a dynamic between them two. Superman was always the Boy Scout. That was one of my attractions to Batman was that I didn't like Superman. You know, mm-hmm. I, I thought he was just too, I did, you know, I did love the Christopher Reeve um, original film um, and the second one, Um uh, the Richard Donner film, and the, the first one, and then the uh, the second one. Um, I can't remember who took over for Richard Donner after he left the project. But anyway, love those films. But one thing I always tripped me out, man, I didn't, it, it really, you know, when I was little, little, it didn't really hit me. But when I was a teenager and watched that movie again, it definitely stuck out to me. You, you remember the scene where I think Lois Lane in the first film, Margot Kidder, asks, you know, Superman what he's there to do. Yeah. And he says that famous line, I'm here to fight for truth and justice in the American way. Mm -hmm. You know, and it was just like Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm." Mm -hmm." you know, it was Mm -hmm. like, get out the flag, jingoism, you know, it was Mm -hmm. like and they slide that to you as a kid, you know, you're watching this and you're like, yeah you know, let's do that. You know, it's like one of those propaganda things that they slide to you um, you know, with the cartoons and the comic books and the breakfast cereal, you know, you just innocently enjoying this shit and all of a sudden you're getting a flag thrown over you. So it was one of those moments, but later on in my life batman didn't seem to be that dude you know what i'm saying yeah. he just there was right. it wasn't like you know there was great efforts to show him as some political you know radical no there weren't but there was just something about his vigil- vigilantism and his um i guess his uh his 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 um outlaw stance that appealed to me even though like many people have made the case especially recently that black that that Batman white Batman is the epitome of white privilege and I, they they're right they're they're absolutely right to some extent mm-hmm. there's so many things mm-hmm. about um that character which which is what prompted my man to tweet you know the the tweet that sent this series into motion um you know Batman has only wears half a mask because he he needs the police to know he's white that speaks to that right? To right white privilege so um I think we're we're you know both you and I are in agreement with that, but as a kid, there was something naturally rebellious about Batman that appealed to me and it was in direct contrast with the um, kind of fall in line, you know, do us do us right, goody two-shoes of Superman. Um, so if Batman is black, I only see that tension getting stronger and I see those differences and those contrasts, you know, staying out even more. And I think that's that's interesting to me.
0: So with that, is a black Batman interesting enough that ultimately that becomes a catalyst for the creation of more black superheroes
1: that is a that's the million dollar question and I think that you you've watched all the Watchmen so the Watchmen television series is just on HBO so we had black heroes in that show Mm -hmm. and it's two different things I'm comparing apples to oranges I know because you know essentially an R rated HBO series is you know, for a even though it's a very, you know, it's a well regarded and iconic um, graphic novel, The Watchmen. It's not a Batman property. We talked about that before. It's not it's not a household name like Batman is. Right. But just for the sake of argument, do you feel that the success of Watchmen, you know, HBO's Watchmen, um, is going to kick off the, you know, the creation of more black heroes? No, I don't. I think I think what will kick off more creation and, I'm you know, I have some <laughs> I have some self-interest in this, um, as you know, because of uh, um, what I do. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, the, the business I'm in. But, you know, I have some self-interest in this. But I do feel that what will kick off the the um, need or the uh, ascension of more black heroes or BIPOC heroes in general is going to be because Hollywood or, you know, the entertainment industry feels the need now and the pressure from. You know the populace because yes. of what's happened this year, um, right. to to create those right. characters, to have those characters put in the forefront. But again, to your question, would a black Batman have kicked that off? I don't, I don't, I don't think so. I, I don't. You know, it, it really depends upon the success of you know the '60s TV show, the you know the Tim Burton movie. I don't know. Blade was successful. You know, mm. mm-hmm. we didn't get a we didn't get a you know plethora of black superheroes after that. Um, you know, I don't know, man, it's, you know, it's really, really, it seems to be that the, you know, the, 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 guiding notion feels like if one thing works in Hollywood or the entertainment industry in general, then we create a lot of those things, except when it comes to black properties, right? you know, when right. black, something black jumps off and is great, there still feels like a reluctance. It's almost like a, how can we make this less black? You know, well, so how can it, we do this, but make it less black?
0: I think it falls under there To it follows under the there can only be one rule so yeah, Black Panther for example um, I don't think Black Panther would and I I would think you'd agree with me I don't think Black Panther would have been as successful and resonated with Black audiences without the story without the Presentation, the Afrofuturism presentation, and also the tie-in to mm-hmm. family, legacy, country, the identity with well, MCU also. But I'm saying, you oh, know, okay. the, right. just the the, the the personable, almost insular story of T'Challa and Killmonger. Mm-hmm. You know that 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 did not integrate other
1: um Avengers. Right, but to but to your point though, Black Panther Black Panther made what? A billion dollars? Why isn't there a you know why isn't everybody like we gotta have a Black Panther for our studio? You know what I'm saying? There isn't that push. There hasn't been that push. But I guess
0: it's to say that we're still dealing with their only there can only be one. You know? So yeah, if the, there's the so Gen if a black like Batman silver, exists basically T'Challa doesn't exist.
1: Wow. Wow That's that I think is the that I think is a very profound statement that if if Black Batman happens, not only does he not serve as a catalyst for other black heroes in the entertainment industry, he actually cancels out. You know, what I'm saying he actually becomes the the Denzel effect, as we keep saying um, for that. That's that's that. I, I mean, and we're talking about going back into the 80s. So then a lot of things that happened. Because, listen, a lot of people believe it was Blade, the first Blade movie that really kicked off this golden era of superhero films. Mm -hmm. Without Blade, do we get X-Men in 2000? So if Black Batman exists and Blade doesn't happen, then it might be the Thanos snap for this golden age of superhero films may not happen, may not exist Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because of of, because of Hollywood's inherent racism um, against having more than one. Uh, black icon or black, you know, black hero or whatever at a time. Just similarly as we're saying with the Denzel effect, you can only have one great black actor at a time, right, um, within Hollywood. So listen, this this brings to an end the four part um, "What if Batman was a Black Man" series. And I don't know how you feel, but I got to say, I going into this, I thought, you know, I was kind of like I, I was kind of like feeling I would know how would you know react to all these questions that we're throwing out how would we react to all the different scenarios and the changes and the contrast mm-hmm. and the you know cuz we we're throwing a, you know essentially throwing this big wrench into the the um the epic you know storytelling that we kind of were so familiar with um over the last you know however many years 75 years or whatever the batman has been around but i got to say i i was not we we went down a lot of rabbit holes and discussed a lot of things that i didn't had not previously thought of um, and scenarios and just kind of, um, just different ways to look through the, through the looking glass, Yes, yeah. you know, it was, yeah. like, it was, it was very, very interesting to me. So I, I think that for me, you know, I personally want to go back and listen to these episodes, but I think that for me, it actually helps me look at, you know, not just Batman, but actually black heroism, heroism within, um, culture. And how it's, Mm -hmm. you know, within within Western culture and how it's portrayed, how it's viewed um, and how it's accepted. And again, looking at, you know, what I do for a living, essentially, I think that that's it plays a part in that, you know, in storytelling and how things are portrayed, and how they are presented to the public. I thought I knew, you know, a lot of things that I really um, have had different thoughts about since we began Mm -hmm. this series. So i had a good time um and i think that again to you guys who are listening if you haven't you know heard the first three or you know or maybe you've only heard one or two go back to the beginning listen to this um this series all the way from origins to emergence to villains to today's episode fandom um i think it's gonna i think you'll be surprised at how just making this change um, not only affects you know batman himself but the entire world within that, within that fictional world, and then also um, its impact on our world—it was really interesting. So, yeah, thank I you enjoyed it. You, Arthur, for for indulging me, um, and you know, indulging me in this this trip we went on.
0: No, it was a good run. And I mean, when all said and done, I don't feel the need to. I don't feel the need to retell the Batman narrative uh, with a black face in a black context. Um, I think that. It's more important to tell new stories with new characters Um, and we don't not not retire, but just, you know, just let it be.
1: Yeah. You know, I I, you know, I agree with you 100 percent. We don't need black Batman. You know why, Arthur? Because we got Brown Hornet. (laughs) (laughs) Keep it. Keep it unreal. See you guys next time. All right. Peace. (laughs)